Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Wells, joined today by co-host Dustin Myers. We are partners at Longitude Branding, a hospitality branding and experience design agency. At Future Hospitality, our goal is to interview the brightest minds in the industry, gathering insights, ideas, and inspiration to share with you. In today's episode, we chat with Zach Kupperman, founder of Kupperman Companies, the development and investment team behind the award-winning boutique hotel, The Drifter Hotel in New Orleans, Louisiana. We'll learn about Zach's journey in hospitality and real estate, the vision that led to the opening of The Drifter Hotel, his commitment to his community, and what excites him about the future of hospitality. Well, let's go ahead and jump in. Hey, Zach, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to chat with you today. And, um, you know, we've been following, uh, you know, some of the properties you're working on, and we're really inspired by a lot of them. And after kind of diving into um, your portfolio of work and all that, we just really wanted to have you on the podcast, kind of talk about, um, you know, who you are, what you're up to, and uh, just kind of get some of the methodology and the vision behind what you're you're trying to accomplish and and so yeah we're super excited very cool it's great to be here I'm pumped as well yeah so uh for those listening that might not be familiar with zach and uh, zach kupperman who's with us today how would you uh kind of introduce uh kupperman companies and your portfolio and kind of give someone the a brief introduction yeah, absolutely. Kupperman Companies is a real estate investment and development firm. We're based in New Orleans. Um, we have projects throughout the Southeast, uh, primarily Louisiana, Texas, and Georgia at the moment. And a lot of our work has focused both on uh, hospitality and hotels and also uh, with a lot of historic redevelopments. Um, most everything we do is urban infill, so in the heart of a city, a lot of it involves kind of the, the you know historic properties and um, you know full repositioning of of historic venues. It's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm sure that comes with a lot of uh, challenges and um, hurdles to overcome with the historic side. Yeah, you know that's part of the fun though for for me. Um, you know, a lot of these buildings, it's it's literally a living piece of history and in a place like new orleans where the architecture and so much of the culture is kind of built off of and based on the past uh you know it's it's pretty cool to to go through that and have a, you know a, a very small part in kind of preserving and and um you know changing that in a in a very positive way yeah absolutely you, you see the, in New Orleans, I mean, like you said, the architectures are so unique and so kind of integrated into, into the landscape there and just the, the lifestyle and everything. Is that, is that something that you've, you think is pretty unique to that area or, or what have you seen? Yeah, I do. You know, New Orleans, um, a lot of the built environment, I think, is is in part what what differentiates it and makes it special. Uh, you know, there are a lot of cities with with pretty unique architecture, and, and New Orleans is certainly one of them. And you know, it's not just the you know places like the French Quarter that you you would typically think of, but the um, the kind of old uh, and and the, the historic fabric 
permeates literally every every neighborhood in New Orleans. And so you can always kind of go through into the residential neighborhoods, you know, commercial spots and find little historic gems. And a lot of what we've done over the years, you know, New Orleans, like many cities, has, has gone through hard times. It goes through cycles. And, you know, over time, you know, especially before Katrina and then right after Katrina, there was a lot of buildings that, you know, needed some love and, um, you know, needed to be repaired and, you know, a, a massive amount, especially after Katrina, there was a, a very large risk of having a good chunk of the historic stock of New Orleans destroyed or not rebuilt or deteriorated. And so, you know, one of the things that I've personally enjoyed and, and that we've been really proud of, and there's a lot of other great developers in the city doing doing this work is is all about you know bringing bringing a lot of the historic buildings back um and and you know repurposing them in in new ways yeah did you you know you you mentioned a lot of your portfolio in the hospitality and hotel um you know industry did you always know that you wanted to be involved in 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 that way and in the real estate and the hospitality side or how did that evolution take place yeah, it's a good question. I did not, you know, I didn't grow up wanting to to say necessarily do hotels. Um, I was always interested in real estate and I, I was always uh, very entrepreneurial and, and I liked, you know, starting new businesses and, and going through the process of kind of, you know, evaluating opportunities. That was always, you know, even in middle school and high school, I was starting a basketball league with friends and, and little little side businesses. Um, and same through, through college. After Katrina hit, I was I was living in Austin at the time, and I, I, I wanted to come back to New Orleans. I went to law school at Tulane University, and that was literally the the year after Katrina, two thousand six. I then worked uh, in a in a boutique real estate and corporate firm here um, for about five years, doing a lot of, of real estate legal work, and that was at a time when there was a large influx of state and federal money for rebuilding Katrina, uh, rebuilding the city after Katrina. There was a lot of, of kind of rebuilding and community work being done. And so I really, I got, um, I, I sort of cut my teeth doing that side of work on, on the legal side of things. And then throughout, you know, I always, um, as I mentioned, I was kind of doing entrepreneurial things on the side. I started buying little tax sale properties in in law school and and kind of just kept on growing it uh growing it from there i eventually i really liked the hospitality world and i eventually left the practice of law to start a company called dinner lab and uh dinner lab was not a real estate company it was it was a startup that that was a membership-based uh social dining club where we basically produced uh pop-up dinners and events with up-and-coming chefs in kind of off the beaten path locations like a helipad or a motorcycle factory and um yeah every single meal was different we had we had chefs flying around ultimately we we raised several million dollars we had we had 30 uh we had operations in 30 cities um we had about 90 employees and so that was really my my first entree into both the the you know, sort of explosive growth, you know, high growth startup world, um, and, and also hospitality, primarily kind of food and beverage. But the idea that you are, um, you know, your product is, is built for 
um, you, you know, a customer and you have to be, you know, literally every single moment, every touch point, you're only as good as your, your last kind of touch point is, is, you know, I learned that through, through my time at dinner lab. Um, eventually we, we ran out of money. We couldn't raise any more. And so my partners and I shut the business down in 2016 and, um, I had been doing, you know, kind of real estate on the side and that was a, a big, kind of pivotal moment for, for me trying to figure out what I wanted to do, you know, next in life and, um, you know, go back to practice law, do a new startup. You know, I really, really was in, into real estate and, um, and, and decided to essentially launch Kupperman companies and, you know, go, go into real estate development full, full time. And, um, you know, I had been looking at, at a lot of hotels and, and the market in New Orleans in particular, uh, the hospitality market was very, very strong, and relative to other uh, asset classes, it was by far the strongest. So the office market here had been pretty stagnant, multifamily stagnant. Yeah, there are little pockets of opportunity here and there, but it it was not like a, an Austin or Nashville or New York or, or something where you know everything was booming. And so hospitality kind of was the natural fit. There were some. Um, you know, I had the background in, in, in hospitality through Dinner Lab. That was kind of where all the growth was in New Orleans to start. And, um, you know, at, at that time, the hotel kind of ownership market was in the process of the shift. I didn't know it at the time, but there was a pretty big shift going on from what you had in New Orleans from a, a, a primarily, you know, mom and pop, and and kind of family office owned hotel market to an institutional uh, hotel market. And so it took me a little while to actually find a deal and and close on a deal because it was kind of the wrong time to be doing it in that um, a lot because the market was so doing so well, a lot of the you know family owned assets were selling to you know national and international institutional buyers. Um, but uh, you know, it, wor- it worked out, and and really the the first one, um, the first one that we bought was an old uh, motel on a little stretch called Tulane Avenue, and uh, that eventually became the Drifter. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, it's it's just a neat story of like the legal background, the food and beverage experience, and then kind of the real estate interest and all of that coming together in in hotel and hospitality concepts. Um, the Drifter Hotel is, I think, the first one that we had seen in your portfolio and just really impressed by it. What were some of the um, lessons that you learned or hurdles you had to overcome in getting that first property off the ground? There were a lot. <laughs> there were a lot. I mean, first of all, the location, uh, Tulane Avenue, as I mentioned, is a stretch of the city that more recently was known for prostitution and you know heroin addicts than any sort of area you'd, you'd want to spend a meaningful amount of time. Um, the that little stretch is is a part of uh, Highway 61, which goes all the way from Chicago down to New Orleans. And at one point, it was the main thoroughfare uh, into downtown New Orleans until. Uh, I-10 was built in the 60s and, and you know, basically from then on, it, it kind of went downhill. And so this hotel, it was the, uh, the originally called the Crescent Motel and it was built in 1958. 
when you know motels were, were popping up all over the place and it made sense because this like i mentioned this was kind of the main thoroughfare in the city um once the interstate was built the whole area deteriorated and you know when we bought uh the hotel I was, it's a motel and when we bought it it was known as the rose inn it was an hourly motel um, they're kind of two buildings. One is in, in the exterior corridor, 20, 20 rooms are in that building. And then there, there was basically a, a single family home, um, that was completely boarded up, you know, bulletproof glass. There was a pool that was filled in with dirt surrounded by barbed wire. And, you know, the, we, we found this old postcard from when the, um, when it was built, I think in 1962, four years after it was built, we found a postcard on eBay and bought it. And that was it. We were able to show and, and kind of look at what, um, you know, what the, the motel was originally built like, how, how it was originally built, uh, the design. And so we, we worked to, to restore it and bring it back to that. But in terms of the, the challenges, the, the main one being this location in that, um, you know, all the lenders thought we were insane, you know, <laughs> trying to go do this. And, um, you know, nobody wanted to give us a loan. That, that, that was the big one. Um, we, we went, there was a bank we had worked with quite a bit. Um, and they, um, I, have, I have worked with that bank quite a bit. Um, it's Iberia Bank. There's a, uh, a loan officer there, the vice president, Megan Donnellan, who I have worked with a lot on other deals. And we went to her and, you know, I think the bank, um, my guess is that, you know, they didn't say no, but they, they, they didn't jump right at the opportunity either. And we kind of, they passed us around to some other lenders. We, we went through a lot and eventually came back to Iberia and, and Megan, I want, I want to give her credit. You know, she, she fought for us to, to get this initial loan and uh, ultimately we were able to get it um, after kind of a long slog talking to a whole bunch of different lenders. Um, and, you know, it was primarily because it was a, you know, first time, you know, hotel, my partners and I doing an actual hotel and it was in this location and it was run down and you know, known as is not a particularly good area of town, and certainly not a, a town, an area for tourists. Um, so I'd, I'd say that was the biggest challenge by far. Sure. And have you found you know that you mentioned that was your first really jump into the the hotel industry, and your first hotel for you guys? I mean, it did it has it gotten a lot easier in in the properties after that, or have you faced the same challenges? The lending side's gotten gotten easier. Uh, you know, my my projects have all increased in kind of scale and scope, and they have um, had each a unique set of challenges. Uh, you know, some of them the same as the drifter, some of them different. Um, you know, in some in some respects, it's it's gotten easier because I I know a little bit more what I'm doing. Um, but but you know, the the projects have all increased in complexity as well. So th- I'm still learning a lot, and um, you know, still there's a lot of just new new things that pop up on each project that uh, you know keeps it interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it sounds like you've you've been. I mean, your whole life has kind of been spent learning and and growing and that's really neat to hear that you know i you, you being seeing new orleans going through you know hurricane katrina back in 2006 and then you know um you know the 
the housing market collapse a little shortly after, uh, you know, now the pandemic and like the results of that, you know, there's a lot of lessons that, and, and things that you've probably seen in that time. Um, you know, what lessons have you been kind of learning and what, what's are similar between like, you know, the pandemic now, uh, Katrina back then and, you know, how have you been pivoting and adjusting? Yeah, definitely. I, I think there's, there's a few different, um, a few different lessons there. Um, one, the people of New Orleans are incredibly resilient. And, you know, going back to September 11th that crushed the, the hospitality and tourism industry, you know, New Orleans is so dependent upon that. That was an, had an outsized impact here. Then we had Katrina. Then we had the financial collapse. Then we had the BP oil spill, which a lot of people oh, uh, yeah. forget about. That was a major, a major deal. It didn't necessarily uh, impact the, the physical, you know, built environment in the city, but it had far-reaching impact on a lot of the industry, um, you know, especially right outside of New Orleans. Um, and that was pretty significant. Um, and then, you know, the pandemic. And so, you know, New Orleans keeps getting knocked down. We keep getting, you know, back up. Um, I think in the years since Katrina, you know, Katrina was, was of course, terrible and, and lots of people lost their lives and, and everything was destroyed and lost loved ones and, and loved things. But in, in the end, I think the silver lining is that for the first time in maybe 40 or 50 years, the city um, was really, it, it was an opportunity to look at everything through a fresh lens and say, hey, all this stuff had, has not been working for decades we have been in the slow decline since 1965 of our population and businesses left. And it was really this catalyst to start fresh and, and rethink. And, and there was a new wave of, of civic engagement and optimism. And, you know, I, I feel up until the pandemic, you know, the last 10 years have really been some of New Orleans' strongest periods of time where we have seen a lot of growth, not just economic growth, but there's been a diversification in the economy, you know, the traditionally it's been tourism, hospitality, and the port, um, and oil and gas. And those things are still kind of, you know, the pillars and very strong, but there's been a lot of stuff on kind of the, the art side, digital media, tech, biotech. There's, there's been a, you know, an advancement in a lot of jobs and that side of things. I think, um, public education and, and crime have always been major issues here. And, and, you know, both have been making, really incredible strides. I think last year was the, the lowest um, murders we've had in about 45 years. And uh, public education, while there's still certainly a long way to go, it's, it's been, um, you know, getting better and better. And it's, you know, probably the best it's ever been, at least in my lifetime, my adult life. So, you know, I think there's a lot that we've learned from that and how to keep on going. And, and I think New Orleans, you know, those lessons generally have, have served us well through the pandemic. Um, there's, I think that the city here has taken a particularly outsized hit because so much of the economy is based on tourism and hospitality. And so we have, you know, an outsized depression relative to other cities in the economy and, you know, significantly more job loss in those, in those arenas that are not necessarily coming back anytime soon. So, you know, I think the, the, the downside is, you know, we, we've, we've been hit hard, um, but the upside is we've, we've learned a lot and, and how to be resilient, how to bounce back, how to deal with these things. And, you know, New Orleans is the kind of place a lot of people 
love being here for the quality of life and for the culture and and for you know the, the non sort of job stuff the problem new orleans has always had is it's it's not you know a city with a bunch of fortune 500s you know hiring a ton of people every year and so figuring out the job element has has always been the challenge and you know perhaps one of the things that comes out of of the pandemic is if people have a little bit more freedom to work where they want, you know, hopefully they'll choose to, to work here in New Orleans. That's, that's my hope at least. Um, and I think, you know, other kind of lessons, just my own personal journey have been, you know, always just, it's just kind of getting out there and, and taking risks and doing stuff. And, you know, looking back on, on what I've done, there was a big, a big jump making, making the jump from practicing law to, to start a company, that that took a lot of um, you know that was a lot of faith and a leap there and, and a lot of support from from my wife frankly who who was um, you know extremely supportive in in making that call and and the same thing going from when Dinner Lab closed you know in, instead of going you know back to to a corporate setting or to practicing law you know starting Kupperman companies and and going the sort of entrepreneurial real estate path. Um, was was also a big leap, um, and I've learned so much of of success and in, in business is is momentum, and um, just you know keeping the momentum, the energy, getting your name out there, you know opportunities, creating opportunities for yourself by taking risks, and then you know over time opportunities will start coming to you. So, you know I think the the pandemic was was a major hit to, you know, the momentum that we as a firm had. And, you know, we're still, we're still facing quite a few challenges with our existing hotel portfolio and, and some of our music venues and, um, you know, frankly, everything. But overall, and all things considered, you know, I feel uh, lucky about where we are and, and grateful um, that we are where we are and, and that, you know, things are, are still pointing in the right direction. Yeah, that's really cool. Just hearing your background, I think you're a Renaissance man or uh, <laughs> something like that. Just, you're into everything and that's really cool. I also noticed that um, you've got, uh, you invest time into kind of the art scene there in New Orleans as well as the tech startup scene. Um, it seems like you're really committed to building that community. Um, on those topics, what kind of led you into that and what's the value that you see there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, both of those are just areas of personal interest for me uh, on the tech side of things. When I was, I was in law school and um, I found myself um, wishing that there was something like a, a tech crunch for, for New Orleans, you know, somewhere I wasn't in the tech world. I was a student at the time, but I, I wanted to find a way to kind of follow along with the the, the people and the companies and the players and the products. And there was really nothing like that. And so the idea to just do that, you know, it stuck with me for a while. And, and a few years later, still nobody had done it. I graduated uh, law school. Nobody had done it. And I was getting more and more involved into startups. I had started another company uh, at the time and finally just decided to sit down and, and, do a blog and, and I created Silicon Bayou News, which, which is designed to do that very thing. And that's kind of be the, the source of record for tech and startup news in New Orleans. And 
I started it on a, a Sunday. It took me like five hours to figure out how to do this really ugly blog and just get it up on WordPress. And, and the next day was the beginning of what was um, a program here. It still is called New Orleans Entrepreneur Week. And um, we just got a lot of traction, took off, got a lot of writers. And, and since then, it's been around almost 10 years now. And um, so, I've, you know, that, that's, been, that's been very cool. That's been a way to, to stay involved. And then, you know, jumping more into the, the startup scene with uh, Dinner Lab and, and other things. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting path for the city of New Orleans and the, the people here to create those jobs and generate wealth. and um, you know, build a city that, um, you know, hopefully my kids one day will will ha- not just want to live here, but will have the opportunity available to them to, to stay in New Orleans. So that's that's interesting to me on that front. And, um, you know, on the art front, I, I, I love art. I, and art and, and um, you know, music and culture is a, is a major part of New Orleans. I have zero artistic talent. And so the way I find that I can help contribute to that aspect of the city is just supporting it how I can. I'm on the, on the board of a, of a school here called uh, NOCA, which is the New Orleans Center for Creative Arts. It's a public high school that supports and has this really incredible curriculum. You can be a full-time student there or you can go to a different uh, public high school but spend a portion of your day there. There's, there's a lot of really incredible um, uh, tracks to go down. You know, I, I would describe it as unusual for a high school curriculum. There's a whole culinary program. Um, there's a lot of art, music, um, instruments. You know, there's a, there's a big uh, aspect on that. And, um, and I've really enjoyed uh, helping and participating uh, on that side of thing. And that, that NOCA has produced some, some pretty incredibly well-known folks out there, uh, Trombone Shorty, um, and John Baptiste, and there's a lot of well-known artists, uh, musicians throughout throughout the country that have come out of NOCA. So cool. You have your your hand and interests in a lot of different things, and and I love the the entrepreneurial spirit that you have, and and uh, just the risks that you've taken have uh, you know apparently have paid off, and that's really cool to see that. And you know, as you're kind of talking about dreaming of the future, and um, you know, building a a home and a place for your kids, and uh, just out of curiosity, I, we, we were wondering what, you know, just kind of a fun question of, you know, if there were no hurdles or, you know, you didn't have any issues with financing or like municipal approvals or any of that type of stuff, what, what would your dream project look like? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, I'm working now on what I would say is my dream project, and that's Hotel St. Vincent. Um, it is a hotel here in New Orleans. It's in the Lower Garden District. Uh, which is a really cool neighborhood. There's a lot, a lot of historic character there. Um, it is uh, an old, so it's under construction right now. Uh, it was an old orphanage and infant asylum originally built in the 1860s. Um, there's actually five historic buildings on a, a relatively large piece of land here on a street called Magazine Street, which is kind of the, the primary shopping and dining destination that runs throughout um, the Garden District, Lower Garden District, and Uptown New Orleans. And it's a it's a really cool story. The, the woman who who founded it is named Margaret Hoggery. She was an Irish immigrant that came to New Orleans in I think the 1840s. Um, was an entrepreneur, started a, a, a baking company, and built this baking empire in New Orleans. And her 
children. She had two children and a husband that, that all died of yellow fever. And she donated the money in the early 1860s to, to start uh, the St. Vincent's Infant Asylum. And the, the original building was built in 1864. And it was basically a place for, for children to go with yellow fever. And um, over the years, it has served a variety of kind of similar purposes from an orphanage to um, a birthing center to um, uh, kind of a, a charity um, uh, birthing center and home for unwed mothers. And, and over the years, um, just kind of has always been something like that until the, the gentleman we bought the building from, he converted it into uh, kind of a rundown hostel in the early 90s. And my partners and I, we, we had been trying to buy the building literally for years and finally were able to, to get it under contract in 2016, closed on it in 2017, and uh, have been working on it since then. And we're, we're about six months out now from, from opening. Um, so that, that, is, that is my dream project. It's, it's a very, very cool uh, series of historic buildings on an amazing street, Magazine Street, in one of the best neighborhoods in the city, the Lower Garden District. The project itself is going to be a 74-room boutique hotel. Um, there, there are five buildings, uh, 74 rooms. There's going to be uh, three bars, two restaurants. There's a, a membership swim club element to it. And then there's one new construction building that, that we're building that'll be an event center for receptions and some back house space. And um, the team we have has really just been an incredible, incredible team we put together. Um, my partners in the deal and, and the, the designers on the project are uh, Liz Lambert and Larry McGuire, who are both out of Austin, Texas, and have done plenty in, in the hotel world and food and beverage world before. Um, we've got a great local architect, Metro Studio, that's done a lot of hospitality work. Our landscape group, Vita, is out of Costa Rica, and, and they actually worked with us on the Drifter and um, did an incredible, incredible job. And so it's, it's really this, this whole, you know, the, the team is really incredible. The project's incredible. Um, and, you know, very excited to get that one uh, open. That sounds amazing. Um, so much history and uh, just texture to pull from as you as you build out that brand, that's going to be awesome. Can't wait to see how it all comes out. Yes. Yeah. And that, that's been a long, you know, a long slog. Uh, you know, we first looked at that building, I think in 2011 and finally got it closed 2017. And then it took, it took a lot to finance and, and, you know, same kind of story. A lot of lenders, you know, said no. Um, and, you know, finally, we were able to work out a deal and it's actually the same lender who, who I worked with on the drifter. They've, they've been incredibly uh, good partners, uh, Iberia bank, uh, which is now part of first horizon bank. Um, and they, um, you know, I, I can't say enough about the, the partnership we have with them. They've been really incredible through the whole process. And there's, there's a big tax credit element to the historic restoration of this one. So a lot of the, what we're doing on the interior is bringing the buildings kind of back to to the really preserving the historic fabric and enhancing it, but doing it in a way that sort of keeps all of the real historic elements of the building in place. And, and you know, the, the big tax credit element, state and federal historic tax credits, um, you know, where it was, was, you know, necessary to 
get the project done. Otherwise, it, it would have been too challenging without that. So I'm really, really excited. You know, New Orleans for all of the amazing hotels and such an emphasis on hospitality, it's only been very recently and, and it's still, you know, few and far between for the, the type of hotels that, that, I, that I really enjoy, you know, the kind of lifestyle properties, you know, not necessarily chains, but, you know, interesting stuff in New Orleans. And so it's only been recently that, that a few of these have popped up and, um, you know, there's some great, great examples out there that, you know, in addition to the Drifter, Hotel Peter and Paul in the Marigny um, is a pretty incredible one. There's a, there's a new one that opened on St. Charles Avenue called the Hotel Chloe. Um, and, but, but St. Yeah, so those are there, but St. Vincent's um, is designed to, to really push things forward in, in New Orleans that, that the, um, the hotels really don't have a similar a similar product coming online, so we're we're really excited about that. That's really cool. So I know St. Vincent's will be a huge emphasis for you guys in the next six months. Um, do you have any other projects or initiatives for Kupperman companies that uh, you're looking forward to in the next in the near future? We do. We're we've got you know pretty full pipeline of of a bunch of really exciting stuff. Um, there, there's one project in the heart of the French Quarter on Royal Street that. Um, we closed on in May, and we're very excited about that one. We haven't quite announced what that is, but it's going to be kind of a boutique retail um, and F&B project that uh, the, the type of product does not exist in New Orleans at all. And uh, Royal Street, for, for those of you all that don't know, that's, that's the, the main um, sort of high-end shopping street in the French Quarter, all of the really incredible antique and, and even more than antiques, like antiquities and, um, you know, incredible art, uh, all that's, that's the main street where everything, all the real, real high end and authentic stuff is sold in the French quarter. So we're really excited. The building itself was actually uh, the home of Zachary Taylor, who's the 12th president of the United States. And it, the, the building literally goes back you know, 200 plus years. It's, it's an incredible, uh, very cool building. Same type of thing. It had, you know, the, the owners of it, um, you know, downstairs was, was leased to an antique shop, but the rest of the building and the upper floors had kind of just, you know, the, the family that owned it didn't put any money into it. And um, it, there's really this incredible carriageway and courtyard that we're really excited about restoring. Um, so that's that's one of them, and then another is this this project uptown that's going to be a um, a new multifamily project we're we're working on that's going to involve some micro units and and some technology features that um, would be the first of its kind in Louisiana. So both of those we're we're very excited about. It's really cool. Well, uh, super exciting to hear about the the upcoming future for you guys, and and uh, can't wait to see how it all plays out. And uh, appreciate. Zach, you spend some time with us. Um, what's a good way for people to, to check you guys out online? Hey, you can find us at CuppermanCompanies.com. It's my last name, K-U-P-P-E-R-M-A-N, Companies.com. Cool. Well, Zach, I uh, appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we really enjoyed the conversation and um, look forward to continuing it and seeing what's ahead for you guys. Yes, Jeremy, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. This has been incredible. And um, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. Awesome. Thanks. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Future Hospitality Podcast. If you enjoyed today's topic and episode, please leave us a review. You can also find us on Instagram at Future Hospitality and on Facebook by searching for Future Hospitality.